Hello, hello, it's time for another CMO Convo. We're back with another conversation on the big ideas that CMOs and top-level marketers need to be paying attention to. This time, we're joined by Matthew Champagnier, CEO of the co-creative group, including Industrial Color, CG Global Edit, and Smashback Studios, and we're drawing on his considerable experience to examine the secrets for success in the big, highly demanding world of e-commerce today. Hi, Matthew, welcome to CMO Convo. How are you doing today? Hi, Will, doing great, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm looking forward to this conversation because it's something that's so relevant to what's going on right now in sort of like the world of marketing, the world of business as a whole. Um, The world of e-commerce, it's gone through a lot of changes in the last few years, and it's going to have a few more changes coming up soon, I I can imagine. But before we get into that right now, um, let's dive into a bit about who you are. Matthew, tell us a bit about who you are and why we're speaking to you today. Sure, sure. Um, so um, Matthew Champigny here. I'm the CEO of Co-Creative, which is a, a group of three vertically integrated uh, creative production companies, um, an agency called Industrial Color, uh, a software uh, as a service platform called Global Edit, uh, and a network of photography and video studios uh, in the East Coast and West Coast of the US called Smashbox Studios. So uh, as such, um, you know, the company has been around for 30 years. Uh, I've been with uh, the company and the growing group of companies uh, for 10 years now. Uh, and, and really the focus has been about serving the uh, marketing and advertising industry in, in different ways, but with a, a big focus on e-commerce, meaning the production of e-commerce content uh, at scale. Uh, and that's something that uh, we've been doing now for, uh, you know, like nine years or so. Uh, it started with our acquisition of the uh, uh, enterprise studio division of eBay Enterprise um, when we wanted to open the, uh, the world of e-com. Uh, and since then, really, the focus has been about, you know, a 360 approach to uh, e-commerce solutions in general, meaning e-commerce content, uh, content strategy, uh, e-commerce, of course, content production and post-production at scale, uh, with the uh, value proposition being really, really clear, uh, is you know how can a 360 content agency create more value to the brands we serve every day, meaning um, where, where content is king, conversion and engagement data should drive the creative, uh, the creative content decisions. And we accompany uh, our clients and our brand clients this way. Um, on my side, um, you know, originally from France, been in the in the US for over twenty years, and um, you know, um, living the the life in New York City uh, in the advertising and marketing world is uh, something that I dreamed of, and uh, I'm so happy to keep doing it every day. Fantastic, fantastic, and I'm very interested to dig into if we have time to dig into all those different sides of e-commerce with you today. Um, but we'll see see what we get to in that respect. Before we do get into that, let's let's talk about sort of like the state of e-commerce right now, because obviously a lot of companies had to make a big switch to e-commerce or they had to ramp up their e-commerce um, activities because of the pandemic, because a lot of people weren't able to go to stores at all. Mm-hmm. But forgive me if I'm wrong, but e-commerce, it was already on the rise beforehand. Like people have talked about the high street dying for a long time because of e-commerce replacing it. So has the pandemic just sped things up or is it sort of like just yeah I, I i think so well you know when when you look at uh, what was happening even in 2020 even before the pandemic started there was already a, a, an overall increase of 19 percent of the e-commerce sales um in the us um and 2021 the uh, the increase was 22 percent 
So yes, it's it's definitely sizable, but that means that it had started a, a long time ago. We know that the big retailer and box retailers have been struggling for 20 years now. That's no that's no news. Uh, so we are already seeing that steady increase uh, of of e-commerce sales and business pre-pandemic. Uh, but the jump of um, you know 2020 and 2021 is definitely uh, undeniable. Uh, what I think is 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 remarkable is that the pandemic shifted many consumers to online only, uh, at the very least temporary. Uh, and the brick and mortar businesses were you know were already forced to kind of adapt to uh, to a new uh, paradigm, where you know had to ac accelerate that shift and 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 had to uh, basically uh, rethink their business. Now, um, in, in 2021, you know, these companies started uh, experiencing a sales slump and, and had to find, you know, new ways to, uh, to do business. And that includes rising costs, um, you know, challenges with supply chain as well. So it's not just the pandemic itself and people staying at home. It's as well, you know, how can I run a legit business at scale uh, with, uh, with, with a new way of, uh, of doing business? So, you know, what we see right now, um, you know, what I hope we can call a post-pandemic era. I hope so. Let's knock on wood. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I hope we are there. Uh, is that you know the companies who are uh, adapted really, really well into you know getting their uh, their e-commerce business uh, up to par to the uh, to the brick and mortar are, are now looking back at the experiential and the physical retail connection to fill that gap um, because you know that the engagement is not the same. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean that the business model hasn't changed; it has evolved. Uh, but I think it does not. One does not exclude the other, and the uh, the right CMOs and the right brands who, who are playing both cards really, really well are seeing the benefits of uh, of combining both. It, it must have been really difficult for all these bit, like a lot of the, especially the smaller businesses, to make the switch over because companies like Amazon, like they've been doing e-commerce, they've set the standards. People expect like next day delivery they expect same day delivery they expect all these very very seamless ways of doing e-commerce and to have have you suddenly have to keep up with that to compete with that if you don't have those kinds of resources it must have been incredibly difficult for a lot of businesses it, it has been incredibly difficult i mean some 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 businesses and brands actually opted to leverage these solutions mm -hmm. and and basically instead of competing with amazon and the such leveraging the the technology and the supply chain solution that these uh, that these companies offer uh, I'm not saying that's the way to go. Uh, it does not apply to everybody. If you're a luxury business, you probably don't want to be on Amazon. Uh, but as well, you know, the, the truth is technology has evolved, and the uh, and the uh, the conglomerate of technology company providers uh, that that are there really allows even the smallest company to have access to the best technology uh, out there. And you know, an Amazon is going to have really, you know, strict style guide and guidelines on how to photograph, what to say, how copy services need to be optimized, and all of that. These are really good hard rules anyway, even if you run your own online shop. Uh, and and when you look at you know the Shopify's of the world and the, you know the Scalefast of the world, like these are companies that allow you to grow your business with almost the same tools that the big multi-billionaire businesses enjoy every day. And accessible as a, as a service, you know this this is why you know we developed our global platform 15 years ago, and uh, to allow these brands to actually run their own uh, their own content creation, and they can do it now on payment services, on supply chain, on inventory management. All of these pieces that are key are now available as as a service. That was not the case 10 or 15 years ago. You had to invest tens of millions of dollars to get a solution. 
now you're spending, you know, like thousands of dollars a month and you'll get one, one of the best solutions on the market or the combination of all of these, which gives you a, a full uh, a full e-commerce platform. Excellent, excellent. So you mentioned technology's evolved a lot, but that also means that customer expectations have evolved a lot. People have a lot, very high expectations when it comes to e-commerce now, particularly in um, like the East and West Coast of the States where the infrastructure is really good and in, in Europe as well, they have high expectations when it comes to e-commerce. Let, let's lay out like what is like, I don't wanna say the bare minimum that customers expect, but what, what do customers expect of e-commerce now? Like we, meant, we mentioned next day delivery, that kind of thing, but what, what else do they expect in terms of e-commerce? Yeah, I mean, you know, the next day delivery or the very least the free day delivery yeah. is is what everybody, you know, kind of expects, at least, you know, in the uh, in, in North America and uh, in Europe, for sure. Um, you know, I think there is, there is in the e-commerce world, uh, there is always, uh, you know, uh, a challenge to bring to the experience you have when you're not in front of your computer. You know, so the physical part of it uh, is an interesting part. And, uh, you know, we, we keep telling this to our client brands when it's like, what happens after? Right, you 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 put a nice campaign. You have a beautiful product to sell on your website. What happens after? You know, how are you getting notified that things are coming your way? Uh, you see more and more brands uh, leveraging text messages and and in-app notifications, for example. Um, you know, don't overdo it. You know, like 15 <laughs> text messages to tell you that something is in a track is not really helping you build your uh, build your brand. But you know, notification works. The the the, the return policies. Uh, is almost as important as your purchasing experience now for many, many com com consumers. You know, there's a lot of returns, um, you know, out there for any type of product, but fashion being first for sure. Mm -hmm. How easy, how seamless, how secure, and how fast can this be done? And you need to think about this even as, as a CMO, this is your, world, your worst nightmare, right? You already booked the revenue and you have to, uh, to give the money back and then you end up with another product in your inventory. This is the worst thing you want to have but it's still part of the business today. There's a clear expectation that I should be able to return the product if I don't like it in a really easy way without feeling guilty about it. And, and please make this experience uh, as seamless as possible and enjoyable as possible. And I will order more products from you. So I think that's something that uh, we all need to think about. Uh, and then I wanna talk about the, the content. You know, It is not just about the experience, it's about the message that the brands are, are, are sending every day. How is this message the same across the physical world and the e-com? How do you relate to your product once it made it to your home and it's sitting you know, on your desk or in your closet? And how do you connect with it after that in real world? So this is where you know, the conversion models have changed. Um, the, uh, the, the metrics of what is, an, what is engagement and what is conversion has changed. You, we've seen that trend of like digital to physical to digital and where like you see something in the street, you go and order it online. Now there are a lot of things on which I see it online, but I do want to see it live. So I'm going to check it somewhere or I'm going to actually pick it up in a store after I paid for it online. And I think as, as, as CMOs and, uh, and heads of brands, you know, making sure that, you know, uh, uh, branding, content, uh, content optimization and technology are, are, you know, are here to bridge this gap between physical and e-com uh, are, are key success factors. Um, you know, the, the, the metrics have changed, um, you know, the, uh, the cross touch points and the cross platforms touch points have definitely uh, evolved over the years. And, and it's not only e-com. 
Now it is ECAM plus shipping, plus physical, plus return, plus try-on, plus virtual try-on. <laughs> and all of this makes actually your ECAM experience as a consumer. And, and that being seamless as well, it's not just about, for me, it's not just about the physical and the digital. It's multiple digital channels as well. Like people want to be able to browse and see things on Instagram or TikTok and then go straight to the store and, or, or, or even order in apps. They it want is. to have this seamless experience across multiple channels, which has got to be difficult for particularly yeah. smaller business, businesses. To it, it needs to be seamless and it needs to be consistent. So yes. basically when you directly have, uh, you know, the ability to buy on, uh, on TikTok, your experience needs to be the same than if I were on your website or if you're part of an app, let's say for a, for a retailer uh, or even a, a reseller. Um, you know, if you do that, uh, then you maintain your brand equity and your brand message. If you don't, um, you know, you're really damaging your, your ability to, to bring, uh, to, to build the engagement with the consumer. Uh, and uh, at the end of the day, you have to redo the brand building and the message every time you re-engage with that specific customer. So. For smaller brands, it is a challenge because that means maintaining, you know, Instagram, TikTok, uh, in-app notifications, your own website, maybe some resellers. Um, how does your brand appear when you're on a reseller website as well? It is e-com, but it's not e-com you actually uh, control. You know, that means you don't control the visual. Maybe the, that retailer actually shooting this, this piece of content and your products himself. Or, and that means, how does it look? Does it look as good as it should? Is it in line? Or, you know, do you make a point on which if you purchase on my site, you're going to see the product in its best light because it's been designed this way. If you purchase it on, you know, let's say Macy's.com or on Amazon, you know, like the photography might not be the same. Um, so, you know, maybe there's a better value and, and better engagement. So, but it's tricky for smaller companies. Um, you're, you're, not, you're not wrong where, you know, that means managing different touch points, different channels, and that means increased budgets as well for marketing. You know, uh, that means the CMOs have to choose how much am I spending on e-commerce photography, on video, on brand, uh, on brand communication, on brand message communication, on content strategy. And then I still need to actually find money for influencers, TikTok and, uh, and Instagram. And uh, that's tight. It's, it's really tight. And the tighter budgets means that honestly, the metrics and the data need to drive the decision making process. And it's not something that's just going to go away. I know we've said maybe we are in a post-pandemic world, but say when we do properly move into a post-pandemic world and all the world lifted all the restrictions, these expectations aren't going to go away. The genie is out of the bottle now. Like people have come to expect this from e-commerce now. So it's going to stay at least at that rate or get even higher in terms of the demands. I, see. I think it will, get, it will only go higher. You know, yeah. there's absolutely no, reverse, no reason for, uh, for this trend to be reversed in any way. Uh, and, and that means you know that yes the experience of the e-commerce consumers is gonna is gonna matter more and more uh, but i think you know um most most brands are now realizing as well that it is not just e-commerce you know there needs to be a bridge to the physical world um you know same thing that happens with the metaverse for example like you know it's not one or the other you know don't bet everything on one side at some point you're going to have to communicate with your clients. You're going to have to be able to exchange with them. And, and we see the development of smaller stores. We see the developments of pop-up stores, you know, like special, you know, pop-ups for uh, product launches and events, you know, and these matter. It doesn't mean you're maintaining like a, a network of 50 stores across the country all year long, but that means that you're targeting your, uh, your consumers where they are and for what they expect, depending on, you know, what happens to your brand, product launch or seasonal launches, things like that. Uh, but that's here to stay. Don't, you know, I, I think everybody agrees about that. <laughs> and, and, but that's got to be something that's going to be really important in terms of 
post-purchase engagement. Like if you're just doing all the purchases purely online, maybe you don't build that kind of connection with the brand as much as you do as if you go to an event, you go to a pop-up event, you go to a product launch, and then you can encourage the, con- uh, the consumers to produce UGC for you, which can be very, very powerful for, for e-commerce. No, totally. I mean, you know, it depends on your budget. It depends how much control as well as a marketer you want to have over your brand. You know, uh, yes, UGC can be one of the cheapest way to get your content out there, but you have no control um, or you have limited control on, on, you know, the value proposition that is put or how your product is shown. So I think there are pros and cons to that. Um, you know, I, I do think that UGC is, is definitely a, a good way, especially for smaller brands to, uh, to put content out there and making sure that the world knows, uh, but it, we, you still need to control your image. So you're still going to need, you know, high-end marketing message, marketing videos, um, you know, your own e-commerce content that is on brand uh, and controlled by you so that you can elevate your brand. So it's not just showing content for the sake of it. You know, there needs to be a brand message and an image that you control. Um, so, you know, but the post-purchase experience that you were mentioning is key. So it is about return. It is about exchanging. It's about, you know, being a self-advertiser to your friends and your, to your network uh, as well. And this is how you, uh, you demultiply your, uh, your marketing investment. So your, your, your dollar invested in X becomes 10 or $100. And uh, the brands who do this well actually see, uh, see the return by you know investing at the right amount that can be then you know repurposed and 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 used to increase the uh, the exposure to the brand excellent excellent so you've mentioned content a few times Let, let's talk about the types of content that are going to be most effective in in modern e-commerce like what 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 types of is it going to be very very dependent by industry and product type or are there are there some like evergreen types of content that are going to work well in e-commerce today I think I think it's both. Uh, you're still gonna. You're always going to have your product-specific photography, your product-specific video, your how-to videos. We work a lot with you know cosmetic and beauty companies. Mm-hmm. These videos are extremely important, right? You want to see the texture of the face cream. You want to see how X Y Z product actually starts growing on the skin. You want to even like describe the benefits, let's say with, you know, some 3D skin, uh, you know, uh, customization in CG. We do a lot of these for beauty brands and cosmetic brands, like how does this hydrate my, uh, my skin cells, right? And, and the benefits of. So these are always going to exist. I think consumers are more and more aware and savvy as well on technology. So you cannot just, you know, have a message like my product is good. That, that's not good enough. You know, why is it good? Why is it better? How is it better for me? Um, so I think e-commerce in the customization of, of content actually matters a lot more now. Um, you know, on fashion, it's how does it fit? On beauty and cosmetics is how does this relate to my uh, skin tone? You know, like, or my, or my age, or my race, or my color, or my tastes, you know, or why, which climate am I living in? You know, is it for cold weather or hot weather? So, you know, these things matter. So the customization is definitely uh, something that is growing and has been growing now and, and will keep growing. But it does not exclude the, the evergreen or the various, you know, like semi-evergreen uh, content, which allows you to position your brand and your product. Like, why do we exist as a brand? What is our brand statement? Why should we care? And, and this is why you go back to the site. You don't go back to the site hoping, let me see if they launched a new face cream. You go back to the website saying, I love this brand. I love what they stand for, for the values, for the culture, for the uh, exclusivity, for the, the, the quality of the product, for everything. 
That's why you come back to a website to buy. You know, like you're not like, let me check every week just in case there is a new uh, color of lipstick. You know, you, you don't do that. You come back because you value the brand and you engage with the brand. And, and that's what makes you an engaged client, an engaged customer, and honestly, a long-time purchaser, which is, you know, what all CMOs and advertisers are about. And, and those brand values as well are, are particularly important in e-commerce, considering who the market is. Um, Gen Z, millennials, loads of studies have been done on, on those generations about how important connecting with brand values are, having shared brand values with the, with the companies they support. So having those kinds of things front and center on your website, whether it's, or even on other websites on, uh, on resellers, that's going to be very, very important in building that connection uh, between customer and brand. This is very, very important. And uh, we, and we, we produce a lot of brand content uh, for a lot of our clients at Industrial Color for that very purpose. Um, and these are big investment. You know, you're talking about, you know, photography campaigns, you're talking about video testimonials, uh, we just uh, produced a really long, um, you know, brand video for a, a cosmetic brand, which was all about inclusivity and the struggle of some of their makeup artists in real life over the past like five to 10 years until they were able to express who they are and announce to the world who they are and getting a chance to actually, you know, uh, apply their craft and their talent in a company that believes in them. And that video makes you cry. This is not about selling the product. It's about like, this is a brand that cares, that actually, you know, includes everybody, that wants to be 100% inclusive, that actually values uh, the different, you know, type of people that might embrace their product. And, you know, this is more important than ever. You know, the, the, the gen, and you can pick any, any letters, are now more informed about what the product are and what most people actually value, including myself as a customer and a, as, a, as a consumer, like, what does the brand stand for? It is about climate. It is about political choices sometimes. It is about, you know, inclusivity. Uh, it is about like bigger stands and it's not just your website. I think you mentioned retailers, but it's as well, PR and press and events and, you know, sponsoring of events and, uh, and um, you know, like some activity with nonprofit organization, like people notice that and people remember this a lot more than how this pair of shoes actually look or, or, or fit on you. You know, that's, that's why you come back. Exactly, exactly. And then, with, as you said, consumers are so savvy these days, it means you have to be extra careful about where you position that product, like where are you actually selling that product? Your brand values is all about um, sustainability, environmental goals. You can't have it distributed through a network that's not environmentally friendly. You can't have it being sold on a platform that isn't following those same kind of ideals. So it means you've got to think really hard about where your product's actually being sold and how it's being distributed. Correct. Uh, and as well, how is your product being shown on these platforms, mm. right? Uh, you can have the most beautiful product, the most effective product on XYZ. If they're using the wrong words, you're actually damaging your brand. Because basically that means the consumer is going to pick another product and then get engaged with another brand and not you. Mm. So there is a risk and there is a cost in picking the wrong, uh, the wrong partners or the wrong reseller. Um, but there's a way to do it well. You know, we're doing it with, with some companies who want to, let's say, leverage the exposure that Amazon would give you, but still really invest the right amount of time and marketing budgets in the quality of the content. For example, we work with Tanya Black & Decker to optimize some of their optim Amazon pages. And that means reshooting all the content, doing some, you know, quick how-to videos on how, you to, how to use this piece of hardware and reworking the copyright 
in order to optimize the, the search optimization for the Amazon engines. So there's a specific word, but you think you would only do it for SEO purposes uh, and, and you know, to make Google happy and for people to find you. You have to do the same thing, let's say for Amazon, but specifically for Amazon. That means the content is specifically shot, the, the copywriting is specifically optimized and the conversions are, are, just, uh, are just showing. So, you know, but that, that takes an investment, that means a realization that the need on one platform is different from the other one. And that means as well that, you know, you need to track that data. How does that convert? Is it better than it was six months ago before I actually put that new content out? And am I competing and cannibalizing some of the people who would have been on my website, you know, and, and trying to adapt and, and shift these marketing dollars as you go? This is an agile environment. You cannot set a budget for the next two years and hope for the best. You need to look at it every week, every month, every quarter and realign like, yes, your marketing budget might be set for a year, but the buckets within needs to be kind of, uh, you know, viable enough or soft enough to be able to, uh, to adapt to the to new realities. Definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, particularly we've seen massive changes happen overnight over the last few years. So I think all marketing budgets, whether it's for e-commerce or not, need to be fairly agile these days. For sure. Totally. Um, and, and I think as CMO, if I, if I may, well, you know, one, one of the things that we work with, with with our brand clients a lot is while your marketing budget might be set, let's be smart about how your marketing dollars can be used and how much more you can get out, out of your marketing spend. That means, you know, making sure that you're not necessarily segmenting and creating silos uh, on, 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 on your marketing spend because then you're actually defeating the ability or decreasing the ability to repurpose assets. So what we work with, with a lot of the brands we work with, whether it's, you know, retailer brands, like fashion, luxury, you know, even jewelry, like how can we create content and a message that can be repurposed and reused? So if you're, you know, shooting content for your uh, point of sale, just make sure that you can actually use it for e-com as well. And, you know, your e-com PDP photography how can I integrate this in my, uh, in my digital banners? So that you're making actually more out of your digital dollars and your marketing dollars. And then that means you can invest more later uh, when you have to be agile. So I think that's a constant exercise to make sure that the silos between retail, point of sale, advertising, PR, e-com are, are still here, but you need to build bridges, especially on the budget side, in order to be able to bring more, as much value as possible in your content strategy. And, and that goes all the way back to what we were saying before about having a consistent, seamless experience across all those things. So if you've got those silos building up in your marketing anyway, the chances are you're not having a consistent customer experience. So by breaking down those silos and making sure that they're all interconnected and repurposed, repurposable, then yeah, you're, you're producing a seamless experience out of that uh, method anyway. Yeah, you, you do, but you know, the, the truth is it's not how most companies are actually set up. <laughs> so you are as well, you know, when, when you try to break these silos, I, I, I'd rather use the, uh, the world, you know, building bridges yes. between entities than breaking the silos because you know that most companies, especially big companies, are going to have a digital department, a PR department, a marketing department, an econ department, you know, and, and yes, it might all bubble up to the, 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 same, you know, the same person all the way high up, but these are different budgets and, and people actually compete for these budgets. So, you know, let's say you have a million dollars to spend, there is 500K for marketing, 200K for income, 100K for PR. So what is not going to one goes to the other one. So, you know, there is a healthy competition. 
how can we get more and uh, as much engagement and conversion as possible? But I think getting the bridge in there, and many brands are starting to do it, and and you know for many different reasons. One are actually you know understaff or cutting staff. So by definition, one person now does the job of two or three. Not not a good advice, but we see it all over, all over. And unfortunately, uh, that means it's a little bit easier to uh, to bridge these gaps because you're talking to the same team. So <laughs> you know the same team actually understands. Like if I can use that, then I don't have to go to my CMO and beg for more dollars. You know, I already I, I have it covered. I can actually do more with that. Um, but it's a constant exercise. And um, the bigger the companies, the more these silos and different departments uh, have uh, are not necessarily set up to communicate and to share knowledge data points assets and strategy points uh, definitely definitely um i think i think that we're, we're hopefully moving towards a world where marketing departments are a bit more open and able to share data more effectively i think uh, new technologies are going to make that more possible to show like proper marketing attribution maybe some ai driven stuff but speaking of technology Let's talk about emerging technologies that are going to affect e-commerce in the future. I'm, I'm assuming crypto is going to be a big thing in e-commerce moving forwards. Um, I imagine AR technologies are going to be big things, but I, I want to hear your opinions on what, what um, CMOs need to be on the watch for. Sure. I mean, you were talking AI, so I think, you know, AI for data is, <laughs> is really, really important. Um, you know, if you don't have necessarily the data, the data set, how can you create it or extrapolate to uh, you know on data that you might have available? Uh, AR is uh, is a given. You know you you've seen it now. Um, you know on on some fashion in ways on which you can change the color of your shirt, but you uh, that, that you have, or you can have you know a dress in any color. You can even design your own dress yourself and see it on you before it's actually designed and uh, and shipped to you. Uh, same thing for a lot of makeup brands on which, you know, you can actually have virtual makeups. You see big brands like, you know, L'Oreal and Estee Lauder, like, you know, investing in technology to uh, to better engage with uh, with their clients here. Um, you know, in, in the e-commerce experience, um, you see a lot more in-app notifications and, and, you know, live discussions. Most of them are bots today. Um, I don't know if bots or humans are going to compete at some point to get there. But, you know, I think it proves as well that, you know, when you think you have a need to interact with your clients live, your, your income experience might not be optimal after all. So, you know, or it needs to be accompanied by another touch point to that client. Uh, and then, you know, going back to what you're saying, crypto, um, you know, you see Gucci accepting, uh, you know, payments in their stores in, uh, in crypto in the U.S., where is this going? I don't know. Um, you know, I don't think it's. I don't think it's going uh, away. Uh, I think it will take time for adoption. The volatility and the lack of control, uh, even like governance overall, is is really scary for for a lot of brands. I, I have to say, um, because what are you getting when you're selling something for you know 0.2 Ethereum? Like I don't know. Uh, I know what I'm getting today, but honestly, I don't know if I'm losing 20% like I did over last week. Uh, or if I'm going to get an extra 20% increase next week, that makes it hard to manage a business here. But it's not going away. I think there will be a trend on on more payment platform accepting crypto payments. I think there will be some uh, some you know payment insurance uh, providers that are going to be able to kind of flatten these um, these, uh, these these jumps and and peaks and valleys of uh, of value of these uh, of these coins, uh, and then the metaverse. You know, so when you think crypto, you think web free. When you think web free, you go to the metaverse. 
uh, there is definitely, you know, uh, we're just at the infancy of, of what Metaverse uh, is going to be. I'm not even talking about the, the Meta, the company. I'm talking about, you know, how do you put your brand in the virtual world? And how do you make sure that your brand message is the same when the person is going to buy your product down the, you know, down the street, in the store, in the mall, uh, and then as well that you build that bridge on like, you know, like physical to metaverse to physical, you know, but we're already there in many ways. If you look at what's happening when you have your Starbucks app, you're actually pre-ordering your coffee in your app. You're going picking it up in the store. That's physical. You're actually getting a reward that's available in the app only and maybe in the metaverse. So this bridge of like physical to uh, digital back to physical already exists. And, you know, you and I are using it right now and we don't know it. So I think we're really at the invency of what it's going to bring for Ecom. You know, is that, purchase, is that coffee sell an Ecom sell? Because I just purchased it on my app without seeing the product? Mm. Uh, or is it really a physical sell because I had to go pick it up in, at, at Starbucks around the corner? So I think, you know, this, this is still a, a really moving target, but we as marketers need to be on the lookout at what it means. You see brands already buying pieces of properties on, you know, uh, on different metaverse platforms. You know, um, you know, I, I don't think, I think there are way too many players right now. So who is going to, uh, to, to gain between Algorand and, and all around? Like, I don't know. Uh, but I think brands don't have a choice. You have to buy a piece of property on one of these. You need to, to have the right location. You need to be there. And a lot of brands are like, wait and see. I have this. I bought it. Maybe it's a waste of money. Like sometimes you buy, uh, you know, or you take a, a five-year lease in the mall and, um, and, you know, that never picks up. And uh, unfortunately, you need to shut down your, your, your store. The same thing will happen to the, to the metaverse. But I think the experience of interacting with your clients, getting, being able to share an experience in the metaverse that can then be converted into a, a sale on your e-com platform is definitely coming. I can't tell you if it's six months or five years, but you know I think it's here to uh, to stay, and uh, we're just at the infancy of you know what the e-commerce is. NFT is of course an example of what one type of how to monetize my brand. More brands, more, more brands now are doing it not for the sake of providing and securing revenue out of the sale of the NFT, but out of advertising. You know, and and I think that's uh, you know like Taco Bell did one thing last year which was incredible. You know, they, 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 they sold some NFTs for like a dollar or like a minimal number, mm -hmm. but the exposure on social media that they got out of that what was worth like the biggest campaign they had ever spent. And that was really, really smart. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that supporting income. For sure, for sure. It's, yeah, it's something with every brand's going to have to keep an eye on. Like, it's not something you can ignore moving forwards. It's something you're just going to have to pay attention to, whether, whether you like it or not, whether you like crypto and the, that whole world of the metaverse or not, you have to pay attention to it. Right. Um, so I feel like we've covered quite a fair amount so far, um, Matthew. Let, let's let's try and sum everything up as sort of like the golden rules of e-commerce marketing right now. Like what what are the secret ingredients to success in, in e-commerce in the, in the modern world right now? So uh, technology is key. Um, the, the, the experience uh, that you provide because of your technology, that means how your website functions, how smooth it is, how many clicks do you have to your basket and your, your conversion uh, are key. Um, you know, and I know that these are heavy investments in e-com. Content is still king. You differentiate yourself about how beautiful your product looks, how effective 
your brand message is online. And that means bigger marketing, uh, marketing dollars being spent in content strategy uh, and data. Do not underestimate the power of data. You know, like you, you know who is coming to your website now. You know how much time they spend. You know if they're buying more, if you have three views instead of five views, or if you have a video or no video. Yes, video converts more, but if you're spending 10% of your income uh, budget for producing videos, are you really seeing the ROI on that investment? So looking at these data points and really being as agile as possible, you cannot be locked on a year or two year plan. You, you need to have a vision uh, in e-com, um, but as well, you need to be able to, uh, to pivot every month and every quarter. What sells, what doesn't sell, what actually sells, but at the wrong margin, uh, what sells where, meaning what sells on Amazon and what sells on my own website, uh, where are the retailers actually cannibalizing my sales uh, and basically lowering my margins as well. And, and if you combine you know, technology, content, and data, then you can dominate the world uh, at, you know, for a small brand or a big one. Uh, or a big one. Uh, I think that's a really good note to end on right there, Matthew. That's a, that's a challenge to us all, or a call to action, to use a marketing term even right oh, there. It's a challenge, but that's what uh, keeps us busy and that's what gives us a job every day. So that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. Thank you very much, Matthew. This has been an absolute pleasure. I'm so, sure our audience has enjoyed it as well. As I said, e-commerce is relevant to pretty much every brand these days, whether it be B2B or B2C. So thank you very much for your insight today. Um, thank you very much to our listeners as well. Um, we'll be back soon with some more CMO combos.